This time on Poll Hub, the release of the Mueller report has been a long time in coming. And fortunately, we've been asking Americans about it for a long time. We'll look at how expectations have and have not shifted over that time. And then when polling isn't about politics, are the rules different? A great discussion with a couple of pros that we've known for a long time. You sense like a trend here? Time's wasting, so let's get to it. And hi, everybody. Welcome to Poll Hub. I'm J.D. Dapper, Director of Innovation here at the Marist Poll. And I'm Barbara Carvalho, Director of the Marist Poll. And I'm Lee Murgoff, Director of the Marist College Institute for Public Opinion. And Mary Griffith, our executive producer, will be joining us in the next segment. But in this segment, we're going to be talking about the, uh, the Mueller report. It has been out. Well, it hasn't been out. We've been talking about Mueller and the work that his group have been doing and the fact that there would be a report. And uh, now it is about to be seen by the public as we record this. Um, we have been asking about this for a long time now. Mm, that we have, and I think people are eager. Some people maybe not so eager to see the results of it. But you know, one of the things that we've asked over time uh, with our NPR PBS uh, partners has been, do you think the investigation by Mueller has been fair or not? And one of the issues that I found interesting on that, the people who don't think it's been fair have been in the high 20s, low 30s all along. The group who think it's been fair has grown as people have become less unsure about it. So as people have made up their minds over time, we've been doing this more than a year um, uh, on this question, uh, the unsures have moved to fair. So in terms of the public relations battle, over time, Mueller has actually won because they didn't drive his by calling it, you know, the hoax and all those things, um, did not drive up the negatives as far as this investigation being a witch hunter, whatever. And I think the release, um, uh, the summary release by the attorney general also... Uh, it, we, what we saw in the numbers is that the polarization um, on the investigation uh, did decline after that point. In other words, it, it didn't become as, um, you know, Republican and Democrat and, you know, on either side, because uh, up until that point, I think that um, when Trump was talking about this being a witch hunt, being it a hoax, you know, uh, et cetera, um, that he was really drumming up, uh, you know, feelings and emotions among his base. And, and we certainly saw that in the numbers. But when we asked just recently, we asked at the end of March, so, you know, less than a couple of weeks ago, we asked about whether the full report should be released or not. And not only was there a majority of people, as you suggested, that said the full report should be released, a majority of Republicans said it should be released. Now, the full report... <laughs> We don't know if the full report, when you asked that question, we didn't say, is the full report include redactions or not? So that might be a different question. They may not have been answering the question that we well, will be asking I, momentarily. I, I think people may have uh, a different motive in seeing what the report has to say. And I think Democrats are thinking, we're going to get them now. Yeah, that's that's a good point. And the Republicans they, are saying, all not right. not as much consensus there. <laughs> yeah, the, the only reason is, I think, you know, three quarters of the people. So if this, I think, is heavily redacted or, you know, there's a shell game over what's in it, what's not in it, that's going to face some really strong headwinds because I think Republicans see this as an opportunity to get Donald Trump off the hook and no collusion. And the Democrats say... This is an opportunity maybe for obstruction of justice or what have you, and they want to see. The f so I think everybody, three quarters, you know, are eager to see what this has all been about. It strikes me that one thing that hasn't changed throughout this entire um, 
saga, if you will, of of the Mueller uh, team investigating and then now releasing a report is essentially what hasn't changed is Donald Trump's, Trump's approval rating. We have been tracking this from the time he took office to now, and while it has gone up and down, it is within such a narrow range historically. Uh, do you think, I mean, you guys have done this for a long time, looked at a lot of approval ratings, a lot of politicians for decades. Is there any reason to think that whatever is in this report will really alter this um, reality that his approval rating and disapproval rating essentially doesn't change? I think regardless of what the report says, 99.99999% of people are going to say, you see, just what I thought. And that's where it goes. Yeah, and, and basically, <laughs> simply, no. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, you know, when it comes to, to Donald Trump, I, I don't know what anyone can really, yeah. what else anyone can know about him that really would change minds either yeah. for or against With him. With all the evidence that's come forward over the course of the last year, year and a bit, um, the question on whether he's done anything illegal or unethical but not legal or nothing wrong, those numbers haven't changed much either. Yeah, especially the nothing wrong. If you look yeah. at the nothing wrongs, they go from 40% in February 2017 to 35 in March 2019, but they went to 35 actually right away in 2017. It's been That's been in a super narrow range, and it's really pretty close to the same range as his support numbers. Yeah. I mean, I, I, it's really close. I think one thing we may find out when this report is you know, released that, that we don't know now is we may find out some of the people who co cooperated and shared information with Mueller. And some of those people could be still in the White House or people who have previously been in the White House. And we know that the Trump administration, like all, but maybe tis too, a little bit more, love loyalty. And this may reveal some of the folks who actually shared information about the inner workings. And that may cause some... Um, consternation. Yeah, consternation is <laughs> but probably not the right word, but it's one of them. But there, so that's a, like a corollary. That's a slightly different question than I asked the one before, but I'll ask it again in this way. So if, if it's not about Donald Trump, but it's about everything around him in his White House, mm -hmm. and the report suggests that there's a lot more stink around him mm -hmm. than, than people thought before, does that move his approval rating at all? My guess is no. I mean, I, I We're still, just stick, I, I still We're stick with no. And I, I think that there's also a sense of, although there is a, a very strong consensus among Americans that they do want to see the report, that the investigation, you know, has been fair. I think there's also a consensus that people really want to move on and that there's a, a lot more to do in the country when it comes to health care and education and infrastructure and guns. And so we have have a consensus on a lot of issues and they want to see and, some action and, on and it. I think when this sort of becomes a little bit in the rearview mirror I don't think it's really going to totally get behind us but I think we're going to see those issues become more uh, dominant for 2020 as the campaign heats up because I think everybody understands on the Democratic and Republican side it could be a trap to stay at this level in this tone and going back to those independents I still think all they want to do is just get this off the, the front page and talk about it anything 
other than this. Rumor has it that polls aren't just about politics, but they have to do with lots of other things. And we're happy to have two exciting guests returning to Maris, Bob Bellafuri, who comes to this from originally a career in journalism, a career in politics, and now a career consulting and doing strategy with um, a lot of nonprofit organizations. And Steve Greenberg, who started in the Democratic political roots as the Assembly, working for the Democratic Assemblies, has worked for state controller in New York and lots of other things, and now heads up Greenberg Public Relations, which is aptly named uh, after you. And Mary Griffith, our executive producer, has uh, stepped from the other side of the microphone now to join in this conversation. Mary, hello. Hey, everyone. Hi. You've, seen, you've heard Mary before, and she is now back for this great moment when we get to interview Bob and Steve. Guys, thank you. You'll be doing our class later, so really pleased to have you back on campus. Always great to be here. Thanks, Lee. Thanks. Okay. Thanks, so let's get started. Let's talk about what's Similarities, differences, working on campaigns with candidates, as opposed to getting involved with a nonprofit organization and doing strategy for them. Well, uh, uh, thank you, Lee. Thank you, Mary. Uh, uh, all campaigns of any kinds uh, uh, are, you know, have things in common, even if the objective is not the same. One okay. is you want something to happen on a specific date. So, if you're working for a political candidate, you want. Uh, 50% plus one of the voters, okay. if it's a statewide or local election. If it's presidential, you get the electoral college. It's all complicated. But you want voters to do a certain thing on a certain day. You want certain kinds of voters to do a certain thing on a certain day. And you work backwards from that. What are the messages that they care about? What do you have to communicate to them? And what are the tools you use mm -hmm. to get that message out to the people you're trying to influence? Working with a nonprofit with a governmental issue, it's very much the same thing. You have a governor and a legislature who make decisions. You have power structures within the legislature. You have things that influence the governor's thinking. And you work, uh, you work backwards. What is the objective you want to occur? When do you want that to occur? What are the uh, messages that you need to uh, be heard by the right people who make the decisions on mm -hmm. that day? And then what tools and assets do you have within the client that you're working with that are going to be useful? And in each of those cases, the first thing you do is an assessment of your assets and your liabilities. Just like in a political campaign, mm -hmm. you do two re you do actually four research books. You do uh, an oppo book on your candidate. You do an opposition research book mm -hmm. on your opponent. You do a positive uh, research book on your opponent and a positive research book on your candidate. So it's so a lot of the elements are the same. The field is a little bit different, and sometimes uh, and the timing can be different, but they're very similar in a lot of ways. I, I think. I think Bob said it right. Uh, I would add that it all comes down to information, mm -hmm. having the right information. So what is that? What what is a piece of that? I mean, information goes well beyond just polling, but polling is an important place where, in a political campaign, you get information mm -hmm. and research. Uh, but even when you're working with a not-for-profit campaign. Uh, Bob talked about one, you know, talked about generally not-for-profits wanting to get something from government, needing something from either the governor or the legislature, having it in the budget or getting a bill passed. Well, sometimes it's useful to get that kind of polling information uh, so you can help make your case. And the method for polling, is that the same or is it similar when it comes to polling for an organization vis-a-vis -vis polling for a candidate? Well, it depends. I mean, I, th I think when you're polling for a candidate, you're polling within the jurisdiction 
of that mm-hmm. campaign. So if it's a state assembly race, uh, you're polling within an assembly district. If it's uh, a gubernatorial, you're polling statewide. But you're also only talking to people who are likely to vote in that election. Uh, you know, Marist, Quinnipiac, Siena, when they do their public polling, mm-hmm. at this time of the year, they're talking to registered voters. But campaigns don't really care about registered voters. They care about the people who are going to vote on election day, and they only talk to likely voters, as Lee, as you do, as we get closer sure. to elections. Um, it depends what your not-for-profit wants to know and who they want to be able to share that information with. Steve is exactly right. There are also a couple of other fundamental differences. Political campaigns have a lot more money to spend on polling and sophisticated polling Mm -hmm. than than nonprofits do. Uh, When I was working on political campaigns, we would get a poll back from our pollster, and the document with crosstabs would be, more than an inch thick. This was back, back <laughs> yeah. when you had documents, and it would be, and and a pollster would say, skip the first thirty pages, go to page one hundred and seventy-three, line twelve, the box in the middle. That's where you have to be, okay. right? Because they're all designed to find out how you get to that fifty percent plus one, and uh, w- would also dictate, you know, a lot of mo- a lot of strategy that millions of dollars would go behind. Mm-hmm. So it's a very high stakes, you know, high high stakes venture with a nonprofit. Most of the nonprofits that we've worked with, Steve, do not have this kind of resources. The reason they're going to government for money and policy is because they're government funded and they need to constantly be going and, and asking for money from the legislative and, and budget process. And I would think time is sort of a different environment here. I, I would assume in a campaign, the clock is ticking and you really have to be very sensitive to where you are in an election cycle. Um that may, it, that may or may, may not, not be, be true. Okay. You know, I mean, it's certainly true in the election, mm-hmm. uh, but for that not-for-profit or for some other organization that wants information, it depends when they need that information for, what mm-hmm. they're using it for and when they need it. Uh, if you're doing, if you're, if you're trying to lobby the governor and legislature on a budget issue, for, for example, you better have that poll done by early March or it's going to be too late to be valuable in in the budget debate. But in a lot of cases, it is it is like immediate. It's like you go to the doctor, the doctor takes your temperature. They say you have a fever, and the next minute you are taking medication. Uh, I was involved. Uh, I was involved in a campaign where uh, we got polling in on a Friday on a very key issue that I cannot talk about on the air. For is this fear a political of death. campaign? Political you're campaign. About? Okay. Political campaign got uh, got critical polling in at a critical moment two weeks out from election day. The poll came in. The next day there was press, on Monday there was ads. So Friday, poll results. Saturday, earned media out behind the messaging that the poll Mm -hmm. found would be effective. Mm -hmm. And on Monday were ads running statewide, uh, you know, emphasizing that issue. So have you had a comparable kind of time turnaround in the not-for-profit world? You wouldn't need you wouldn't need one. Okay. Um, you, you work you work on a poll in the fall about some general issues mm-hmm. on how people feel about an about something and then you're trying to get a sense of the larger environment. The things there's not push and pull like there is in a campaign. And with a nonprofit, there's not usually another campaign mm-hmm. counter messaging yours. Right. And the other thing is, I mean, if if you're working for a not not-for-profit, what you may not need is a poll. You may need a focus group. Mm-hmm. You, won't, you may need to understand what the recipients of the services from this nonprofit 
uh, how do they feel about those services? Can they be improved? Is it really what the community needs? So you might do a focus group of, you know, a dozen or do a couple focus groups of a dozen mm -hmm. or two dozen people to get a sense of how the community feels about it. You don't need a scientific so it's not survey. As, it's more qualitative. It's not, as Bob alluded to, as the, the big thick binder that has some data. This evening at class, the students are going to focus on political scandals, crises and campaigns. But when disaster strikes for a not-for-profit organization, how do you attack that situation? Well, in a in a private sector, a nonprofit situation, or in a political situation, you always ask, the, the first question is always the same, which is, what are the facts? Mm -hmm. um, uh, you can't address something unless you know the facts and unless you know all the facts, mm -hmm. even the bad ones, especially the bad ones. Um, and you still run the risk of the same dynamic, which is the people involved don't want to admit how they were involved or don't want to be uh, completely forthright. Does that and involve a legal sometimes or an ethical uh, it depends what the crisis is, yeah. sure. Ethical, legal, and egotistical. Ethical, legal, and egotistical. You know, and, and it's, it's not unlike, I mean, the dynamics are, are not unlike in a political campaign or in a governmental situation involving a politician in the sense that there's, we live in a 24-7 news cycle these days. Uh, it's, you know, it's not like we have till, you know, this we learn about it at 10 a.m. Oh, we don't have to get back to the reporter who's on deadline at 5 p.m. I mean, you know, you have to respond. So no matter what the crisis is, you're balancing two things. One is what Bob just talked about. You've got to have all the information, the best possible information you can have. And on the other side is the tick. <laughs> of the watch because you have to rush to respond. Sure. But you've got to resist the temptation to get out ahead of your skis, a cliche I'm not in love with, but you got to resist the, the urge to get out there and respond so quickly that you're replying, responding before you know all the facts because you can dig a deeper hole for yourself by doing that. that does, now, in, a uh, in political campaigns, social media has really played a much larger role than it has in the past. Um, too, uh, too, too big a role. It's given everybody access to the bathroom wall. I agree. Okay. And, and how about in the world of nonprofit organizations? I mean, is that part of the social media world at it, all now? It can be, but it's, you know, but it's, it's different. Um, a popular word now in political scandals is pounce, right? Everybody wants mm -hmm. to pounce, right? Um, and uh, you will always, in politics, right, there's, again, there's somebody else counter-messaging you who is less interested in the truth mm -hmm. and uh, as, as much as they're interested in what they can get people to believe. That is a fundamental difference in political campaigns is that they want to get people to act a certain way on a certain date. And whatever I can tell them that they'll believe is worth doing because it doesn't necessarily have to be true. It has to be hard to prove false. Okay. And, and if I say uh, and if I say uh, Greenberg's a bum. Right. And he and so that's three words. Greenberg's a bum. Three words on the tip of tip of the tongue of every five year old in America. Greenberg's a bum. <laughs> and if it takes him fifty five words to say why he's not a bum, that's a problem. I win the news cycle. That's and a problem. In the old yeah. days, it was a news cycle. Now it's a tweet cycle. Okay. And then these things metastasize on social media. Okay. 
so it's so in politics, it's it's very different than in in a private sector or a nonprofit world. In a nonprofit world, you have a little bit more time to figure out what exactly happened and how to deal with it. Before you get your ducks in Most water. of the time. I mean, there are examples where, you know, I mean, the the community is engaged in social media, whether it's Facebook or Twitter or Instagram mm -hmm. or whatever. Um, but I think Bob is generally right. But I, it's becoming a, a very difficult world to communicate in because... Social media, which is a wonderful tool in some ways, is a heavy burden in many other ways. Yeah, and would you consider him to be a bum in three words or less? Uh, I would consider him to be a bum in as many words as you want to use. <laughs> I think he would say, Bellafiore is really a bum. He, he would take four words. But Before he, this gets really ugly, I'm going to say thank you, Bob Bellafiore of Stanhope Partners and Steve Greenberg of Greenberg Public Relations. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having us. And that'll do it for this edition of Poll Hub. Poll Hub is a production of the Marist Poll at Marist College here in Poughkeepsie, New York. Mary Griffith is our executive producer. Hey, and she also had a little guest role there in the interview with Bob and Steve. Pretty interesting stuff. Mary does everything. She is. She's the, uh, uh, I was going to say man about town, and that's not what I was looking for because she's not a man. The person with the most is. The Renaissance woman. Oh, there you go. There okay. you go. Anyway, uh, Kenny, uh, Kenny Marples is our uh, editor of this podcast. Although I think feeling a little spring fever, given that he's a senior, he's a senior. Uh, senior yeah, he's not going to be around be, much longer. He's, he's going to be graduating in another month. So uh, we'll have to see if we can keep uh, Kenny down on the farm. Uh, but we'd also like to thank the Roper Center Archive at Cornell University, who provides us with the ability to look back in time at survey questions and results over the decades. And we should also point out that Mike Conti of the Maris Poll staff keeps our trend data up to date, which we were relying on uh, in the discussion of the Mueller report. And we'd also encourage you to send your questions to pollhub at marist.edu or reach out to us on social media. Some of the people here are very adept at that. Yours not being one of them. Yours yes, you are. You're I'm, a huge oh, tweeter. Yeah, we have to hold you back. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Get his thumbs off the keyboard now. Okay, you will find us at Maris Paul on Twitter or Maris Paul on Facebook. And as Jay will tell you every week, and I now will also, don't forget to subscribe. See you next week, folks. <laughs>